0: Welcome to Landscape Photography World, the podcast for everyone passionate about landscape photography. I'm Grant Swinburne and I'll be your host on this show, talking to landscape photographers about their motivations, likes and dislikes. In this episode, my guests are David King, the owner of Nature Photographers Network and Exploring Exposure, and Cody Schultz, editor of Nature Vision Magazine. We cover what the community and magazine are all about, how you can contribute to both, and how you could benefit from the constructive criticism which is a feature of the community. Both Cody and David reveal how experiencing nature has enriched their lives and has allowed them to express their individual creativity. Cody shares how photography has helped him address mental health issues, while David touches on his transition from astro to landscape photography and the challenges he's encountered in doing so. We talk about their approach to photography, which involves capturing their personal experiences in nature more than striving for an epic shot. A key theme resonates throughout the conversation, the value of personal expression and enjoyment of nature, making art that matters to you, and the vitality of honesty in one's work. I hope you enjoyed the show. G'day Cody, g'day David. Welcome to Landscape Photography World. How are you guys going? Good, Good thanks for having us. Thanks for coming on. Why don't we start with you, Cody, and start with who you are and a little bit about why you're into landscape photography and nature photography in general, and then we'll move over
1: to you, David. Yeah. So I'm Cody Schultz. I'm the editor of Nature Vision Magazine, Mm -hmm. and I got into photography because pretty much as a way of helping to heal my mental health. And to spend more time in nature, I needed a creative outlet. And it's just something that I picked up because I had prior experience with it. And so it's now taken me across the country a little ways, at least. And haven't looked back. I love it. So sounds fantastic.
2: How about you, David? Uh, Yeah, I'm David King. Um, You have to excuse me. I'm just getting over COVID. So I'm going to be clearing my throat a lot. (laughs) So I'm... uh... I'm the owner of the Nature Photographers Network and also run Exploring Exposure, do nature photography workshops and things like that. I guess I I'm just into photography because I love being outdoors and love experiencing nature. And yeah, I'm not good with words, so <laughs> I hate describing myself. <laughs> so, the Nature Photographers
0: Network—how did that start, and what's it about? What's the reason for kicking it off in the first place?
2: So, actually, I didn't start it. It's been around since 1999, so uh-huh. very early days of the internet. <clears throat> Another couple guys started it, and it was a really big site for a long time, and then just, <clears throat> excuse me, fell behind the times. And I, a lot of met a lot of my friends through there over the years and i hated seeing it declining and going away everyone started moving to social media oh. so i just decided to, to take it over one day and reached out to the, the past owner and see if he was interested in selling it and sure enough he was and he was just looking for the right person so i bought it from him and totally rebuilt it <clears throat> from the ground up and have just been building it ever since and it's really been growing lately and it's it's really just a passion project for me and I just have fun seeing where it goes and it's just been a really uh, fun experience and it's a site about primarily about photo critiques Mm -hmm. It's a discussion forum but that's the main aspect of it because there's very few places you can find these days online to get actually open and honest critiques. It's been really exciting to bring that back to life especially with the kind of the shallow nature of social media these days yeah it's hard to get honest feedback <laughs> yeah it's been fun to bring that back yeah fair enough and what's the relationship with the
0: nature vision magazine where does that hook up and and type come in
2: yeah so it's An extension of npn we cody and i just started doing like articles on the blog for the for npn for a while and one day we just decided this needs to be a magazine it's got to be something bigger than this so we just went for it and started publishing a magazine and it's been crazy fun adventure trying to figure this whole thing out but (laughs) we're we have three issues out now and got another one coming out in march but we really wanted to focus on the creative aspect of nature photography yeah, right. and also extending the voices of people that otherwise don't have a platform so we rotate through a lot of different authors <clears throat> for these articles so that we're not just stagnant with the same few authors in every single issue yeah so we're Really want to expand those voices from lots of different people and i think that's really exciting yeah cool
0: so what is the future for the network and for the magazine that you, you you're looking at at the moment obviously you've started to regrow that critique family or community for for want of better term where do you see it going and how do you
2: see it developing in the next couple of years i think just further expanding this further expanding the idea of the magazine yeah i don't know beyond that we just take it day by day and try to keep growing things and just coming up with new ideas all the time yeah cool in terms
0: of your own photographic journeys I'd like to explore that a little bit if we can where did you start your landscape photography journey or your nature photography journey and where did you then start to go oh this is a little bit more than just a hobby it's actually a passion and I'm now starting to feel that this is a an artistic expression as opposed to just documenting which is where everyone starts Mm -hmm. in their journeys
1: i think with me it it was (laughs) i started off with it picked up my first dslr around 2014 and from there like you were saying just started off with basically photographing whatever i could whatever would stand still enough for me to get a shot off and uh, and then it just slowly transitioned into something more meaningful. I think it was 2016 that I started with landscapes, started focusing on nature, started going out in on hikes with my girlfriend. And from there, it just really kicked off into something that was so much more than just bouncing around from one photo to the next, one subject to the next. I actually had a focus with everything. And then it really... Everything really came to a head in 2019 when I started with film photography, with large format film in particular, Mm -hmm. and it became so much more than just taking pretty pictures. It became more of trying to express myself as an individual, as an artist, and around that same time is when I started pairing words with my photographs and writing articles about being out in nature and about mental health and creativity and all that. And so it's trying to figure out the direction that it's going in now is where I'm at. But for the most part, it's just a matter of photographing what's comes naturally to me, what calls out to me and seeing where it takes me. How about you, David? I would say
2: photography has been ingrained in me from a very young age. my, mom was a photographer and she had a dark room in the basement growing up <clears throat> and unfortunately back then i didn't care uh, and i wish i would have <laughs> of course <laughs> so i didn't really get into it until <clears throat> i was in my 20s probably but i picked it up really fast and just really enjoyed the creative outlet because i wasn't very creative before that i say it was very technically minded So this has helped me release my creative passions and for a long time i was just trying to be that popular guy on the internet and um, i got well known for my night photography and that's how i got into the business of photography and i'm thankful for that because i had started leading workshops then and it got me out of my comfort zone to do that started making decent money doing that. Um, But eventually I I realized that as much as I love nature photography or as much as I love night photography, that wasn't really my, what I was super passionate about, especially teaching it, got burnt out on that. So I stopped that for a while and um, transitioned into just landscape photography. And that was really hard to get the business started with that because it's a very competitive industry. But I was passionate enough about it that I found my way through that. And now it's more focused on intimate landscapes. So I've found my niche there a little bit. And also just like you're saying with more creative, personally expressive photography, I've come into that more recently and started doing more projects and focusing more on bigger things like recently i was publishing lens work for a project which i has been a huge goal for a long time and so i'm super proud of that and just doing more than just one hit wonders yeah so that's my progression there cool
0: in terms of the critiques on the in in the network Uh, who's giving them is it just the general members of the of the community or is it a specialized team or a a group of sort of skilled photographers that know what they're talking about it's a
2: mix we have anyone from the community can participate and we actively encourage that because we Mm -hmm. want different voices we don't just want one specific group to be the ones giving critiques but we have the moderators on npn are very talented photographers that probably give the most critiques just they're just the most active on there we also have some professionals come in from time to time and give critiques so we have special submissions for that but really it's just anyone whoever wants to come in and give their opinion of course everyone takes that with a grain of salt but you can learn from everyone different perspectives are a great way to expand on your knowledge
0: and how do you get involved is it just a matter of signing
2: up to the website and starting posting pictures and so yeah forth? it's is really there more to it no it's really just a matter of signing up and start posting your pictures and we really encourage people to critique other people's photos even if they're not experienced because i really believe that the best way to improve your own photography is to give feedback on other people's photography Mm. because then you you start to learn and understand what goes into making a good photograph and you really start to analyze what are the critical aspects that make an interesting photo So I think that really helps people to learn how to become a better photographer.
0: Yeah, I certainly agree with that. One of the things, though, that you do run the risk of is how do you avoid somebody just coming in and trashing somebody's photo? It might not be the best photo in the world, and they might be at beginner level, and it's blown highlights, or the shadows are too dark, or whatever the problem with it is, and somebody gives feedback in the wrong way do you have procedures and processes in place to to manage that sort of thing
2: yeah we have we have guidelines in place to help prevent that and we've just built our community around those principles of not tearing people apart like you can be brutally honest yeah with your fatigues but it's not about being mean and nasty and we've had some of those people and we've gotten rid of them plain Mm. and simple it's it's just not allowed in in this community but we do encourage honesty for sure
0: yeah I think that skill of being able to pick up that skill of create constructively criticizing somebody's work is one of the most vital skills that a photographer can learn or any artist to be honest can learn and and it's not about, oh, every photo has to comply with the rule of thirds or the Fibonacci mm-hmm. spiral, et cetera, et cetera. It's really around making sure people understand what the photographer is trying to do with yeah. their work and then giving that feedback back in a way that it, it encourages them to continue and encourages them to improve and and make the, and in some cases it can just be minor adjustments, but make the adjustments they need to uh, improve their work.
2: And we have different levels of critique. Okay. So we have just a basic critique, which most people go by. And then we have a more in-depth critique where the photographer actually has to self-critique themselves and mm-hmm. really explain what their what message they're trying to convey things like that so that the person giving the critique has more context and can help them achieve what they're trying to achieve so i i think that's a lot more powerful there than just a regular critique but that does take some bravery and really knowing what you want to do so that's yeah that's really important yeah and does that
0: critique not necessarily the critique but the work and the articles that end up in the magazine. Is there any connection between the two or are they totally
2: separate? We definitely have some, we have a lot of connections between the two. We feature different MPN members in each issue. Mm -hmm. And we also have discussions that link back to the articles, things like that. And we're trying to integrate more of that. We definitely have more ideas to do more of that stuff to really keep the community integrated with the magazine. So we're going to keep evolving that the magazine isn't just stagnant. We're going to keep adding stuff like that, too. Mm
1: -hmm. I think that was the best part about when we started up with the magazine was that when David and I were talking about it, we knew that we had this unique opportunity because a lot of magazines don't natively have a community that's built prior to the magazine or even afterwards. A lot of them tend to be different groups on other social media platforms. And since we had this community already built, we decided that we wanted to intertwine them as much as possible. And so while we do have options in terms of, you can just join the nature photographers network community, or you can just get the magazine. We do have an option where you can get both and then you're getting everything possible. You're getting the article discussions, You're getting the chance to be featured as a NPN member or interviewed to different capacities and everything else that David and I plan on coming out with in the coming issues. How do you
0: see the experience that you've got within both of the two ventures, the community and the magazine has changed the way that you actually take photos? I'm not
1: really sure. (laughs) I don't know that it really has. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure how to answer that one. (laughs) That's That's fine. All right. I guess
0: personal expression is a big part of, and communication. You actually mentioned with one of the critique levels that people have got to give some kind of idea about what it is they're trying to express. That personal expression, how do you infuse your own style and vision into your images obviously everyone kind of gets to a point where they start to develop a style of their own and I'm just interested to see how that sort of has played out in your own photography careers and how your style has developed and where you see your styles going
2: I would sorry I'm trying to believe. Uh, David's got COVID brain.
1: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you can go ahead, Cody. <laughs> I think the biggest thing is that everybody has their own unique vision from the very get-go, but it's through like the typical imitation of others and figuring out what inspires you and then over time building off of that. Uh, I think a lot of photographers will, and this goes with any creative pursuit. We'll start off with some people that are, that they really enjoy the look of what they're doing and the feel of it, and then we'll go and continue to imitate them until they get to a point where they can see that drifting off point. And I think that's something that I have certainly done. I started doing black and white photography solely in 2017 because I was inspired by Ansel Adams, like every landscape photographer out there. And... Then from there, I've been inspired by others and I've picked little inspiration points from there and have created my own vision. But it's also something that is constantly growing and constantly changing as we figure out more and more who we are as individuals, as artists, and as we continue to see the world in different ways.
2: So yeah, taking all of your life experiences and distilling that into a photograph is really what personal expression is all about it's showing yourself through your photographs so i know it's that's really hard to understand when you're starting out and cody was saying you go through this process to learn all the little technical bits Mm. trying to figure out where you're going and I know when I started out, I experimented with a million different things, <clears throat> every every different type of photography, and you know, eventually found that just nature photography is what connected with me and more specifically landscape and intimate photography. But through that, I think you just you find your voice and it eventually comes. And it's it really just takes patience and determination to find that over time because it's not going to happen overnight for most people Mm -hmm. it just takes years and years of trying different things and figuring out what makes sense to you and i i feel like personally i'm just figuring out my figuring that out myself yeah it definitely takes time to find that
1: yeah sure but i also don't think that it's anything that should be stressed over to the point where you want to put down the camera it should be something that comes naturally because eventually it will and even if you put two photographers side by side line up the compositions to be almost the same they're still going to come away with something that is at least slightly different you're never going to get the same photograph twice so i think that's something important to keep in mind too just do your thing imitate here and there that you want to and eventually you will come out of the other side with your own vision yeah, yeah.
2: and I, I think it's super important to not compare yourself to others i think that's the most toxic thing you can do is because there's always going to be someone better than you no matter what level you're at <clears throat> the most amazing photographers look at other people's stuff and go damn i wish i had that photo yep <laughs> it's just a horrible thing to do so yeah. focus yeah. on your own work
1: and what makes you happy and that's the most important thing to do i think and i think uh-huh. to add to that real quick too is having worked with the magazine and con- been in contact with so many different photographers of varying stages you would be amazed with how many big name photographers i've talked to that feel the same exact way that every other photographer does in terms of getting burnt out in terms of not feeling like their work is good enough despite having had decades of massive success, you would never think of these guys as having these or experiencing what lesser-known photographers do. But everybody goes through it, at least at some point through their career, which is definitely something to keep in mind.
0: Yeah, I I think that's definitely one of the the, the themes that this podcast has followed, is that comparing yourself against yourself Mm -hmm. is totally fine because what you should be seeing – is early days you you're learning you you're experimenting with technique and experimenting with style etc and then as you progress you that starts to solidify into something more meaningful to you and you can then see okay i've gone from point a to point b and i'm doing okay because there is improvement from where i started the those crooked horizons and the blown highlights and all the all the technical bits are now out of the way and now I'm starting to get into that creative side of things said I guess one of the things that I'm interested in is how has that that imposter syndrome that everybody gets how have you personally dealt with that in
2: in your own photography I would say for me I've largely become celibate with photography Obviously, Cole Thompson talks about that a lot. I don't fully ignore everyone else's photography, but I've really pulled back and I've largely gotten off of social media um, because I I just feel like that was influencing me too much Mm, and making me think too much about my photography rather than just doing it and doing it the way that I want to. So yeah, I just I don't look at other people's stuff much anymore. So I think that's been the biggest thing for me. And I when I do look at other people's work now, I am just more appreciative of it and not jealous of it or thinking, how can I recreate that? I just enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really just a different mindset.
1: Yeah, totally. David was saying with the with social media in particular that was the biggest thing i got off social media for a while two years or so that i was off of it because i was just being bombarded and going right through that self-comparison all the time with it i'd see other people's work and i just i didn't want to post anything because i felt ashamed of my own work that i was doing and now that i'm back on it i feel that coming through again because I'm looking, I'm consuming so much, yeah, which makes it really difficult, especially these past few months, because I just haven't been getting out as much. I've been taking care of two puppies at once. And <laughs> so my days are a little hectic and trying to get out of and photograph is difficult. But mm. that's even more so when you're constantly uh, looking at other people's work and comparing yourself to it. You just get into this funk.
0: You have mentioned, as I said before, the incorporating elements of storytelling or getting the image to communicate something. What techniques are you using to convey a sense of mood or emotion in your photography?
1: For me, I think it's just a matter of focusing on what calls out to me most. I don't think it's necessarily anything about specific techniques or... uh, Post processing or anything like that. It's a matter of learning to see what, learning to see what means the most to you and what you can work with. There are also times where if you're looking to tell a story, there are stories all around you, depending on, especially in nature, depending on what you want to look for. There are constantly stories of, trees falling over and relying on one another to hold themselves up even in their dying moments Uh, and little instances of tiny fledgling trees that are cropping up and that are being shaded and protected by elder trees Mm. so i think it's more a matter of seeing than it is of any technical processes at least for me i think for me it's i've got away from that mentality of
2: seeking out that one epic shot yep, and instead trying to tell a story of a place through different photographs it could be grand scenic or it could be the smaller scenes of the landscape but really slowing down and noticing things that I find interesting so it's it's not just the story landscape but it's the story that I'm telling of the landscape the the way that I experienced it So I I think that just has a different feeling and mood than just seeking out that one amazing shot that's going to knock the boots off everyone. Yeah, It's telling a story of a place rather than just getting that one amazing shot. A lot of
0: photographers talk about what Cody just mentioned, seeing differently. And I think most landscape photographers in particular definitely see the world differently to most people that are wandering around. How has your vision changed through landscape
1: photography? I think since I started focusing more on the intimate landscape, especially the intimate small scenes of the woodlands, I notice a lot more. When I'm walking around, I'm not just overlooking the different uh, fungi that are growing up. Then I'm starting to notice more the little salamanders and little creatures that I'm walking past or that are skittering across the pathway from me. The kind of stuff that I always overlooked when I was heading to a waterfall that I wanted to photograph. Because at that time, that was the only thing that was of interest to me on that In that park. So that's definitely been a major change. Just once I started seeing the forest for the trees, to use that expression, it's my photography definitely shifted. Yeah, pretty similar here. It's
2: all about noticing the details. I tend to relate things back to music. When you really get deep into music, you appreciate all those small details the little things that the drummer is doing and the the bass player is doing and how those all come together and just blend into this beautiful thing. Yeah, You don't just, you're not just listening to the song. You're noticing all these little details that make it so much more rich. And it's same thing when you're out in the landscape and you just notice all these small details that before I was a photographer, I would just pass by and have no clue that was there and now i just noticed all these small things and it just makes that experience so much more rich hmm. and it just it changes your life once you start noticing those small things yeah totally what
1: does success look like i'm trying to figure you? that one out <laughs> <laughs> it's funny it's funny you ask that because i wrote something last year about four thousand word article on success that i have yet to publish because It is something that is, at least for me, constantly changing uh, Mm. how you measure success. Uh, We live in a world that measures success by monetary means and by status. And that's definitely a, that's one way to do it, but I don't think it's necessarily the best way to measure success. What the best way to measure it by though is a really tough question. And it's very personal, I think. Okay.
0: I agree. It's definitely a personal thing. I've, I've got my own personal sort of version, which I'll share a little bit later. But how about you, David? What success look like
2: for you? I really think it's being honest with yourself and doing what you love, not selling yourself short. There's times in life where you have to sell yourself short and do things you don't love to get by. But ultimately, in the end... you really focus on the things you love and the things you're really passionate about and don't compromise i think that's how you find success
0: Mm. no excellent for me i think it comes down to what makes me happy if what i'm doing is something that i feel proud of or feel a sense of achievement from then that success and it might only be small successes it could be I nailed that composition or I nailed that edit it might not necessarily be I've made a million dollars out of photography which certainly hasn't happened for me yet (laughs) how do you look at the use of both your photography as well as also the community and the magazine in terms of a tool for environmental education obviously the environment is paramount for landscape photographers and nature photographers in particular how do you see that role that photographers
2: can play in promoting conservation efforts we're trying to um, dabble into areas of that Um, it's not our main focus in the magazine but we definitely want want to promote things like that i was one of the founding members of the nature first movement and that has floundered a little bit um but we definitely want to still keep conveying those messages and we'll definitely have articles that try to push those ideas forward more so we definitely not our main focus but we definitely want to bring those ideas into the magazine and the NPN for sure so sure.
1: yeah it's something that we are sprinkling through but we want to maintain that main focus of creativity and how to have a more creative outlook and appreciation with photography i'm in contact with a number of photographers who are doing some great conservation efforts and having them write articles for us as well that's able to mix those two focuses together uh, mm. is because it's definitely important for us to focus on too definitely
0: do you have a favorite spot that you have to keep returning to some place that just you haven't nailed or you haven't you've got unfinished business with that just keeps calling you back is there somewhere in the world that
2: you've just got to keep keep going there for me it's Death Valley I I've been going there every year for several months every year for the past 10 years or so and I never get tired of it Um, I'm always finding new things and there's so much to explore there you could spend a lifetime just exploring different canyons and stuff. Mm. So it's, and it's just a really special place to me. It's where I feel probably the most at home. So it's, yeah, just a really neat place for me that
1: I will never grow tired of. Yeah. For me, it's uh, probably my family's cabin. My family owns property in Northern Pennsylvania and Mm -hmm had that property for the past i want to say 40 years 30 years something like that it's where i learned my deeper appreciation for nature it's where i have spent so much of my life and from a photographic standpoint i am continuously finding different photographs different compositions different things to appreciate as i watch the property change so it's a very personal personal area that I have exclusive access to that's I don't ever have to worry about anybody comp stomping me because it's not going to happen. So it, it's great. It's, I'm always going to be returning there and I can't wait to see how projects form out of that property. So Sounds magical. Pardon me. I'm interested
0: with a lot of photographers, how the, landscape itself in which they photograph has changed the way that they photograph. Obviously, seascaping is very different to climbing a mountain and and, and so forth. How is the places or how have the places that you regularly shoot influence the way and the, the techniques that you're using to,
2: to capture those environments? For me... I- <clears throat> I grew up in Colorado, so I was always in the mountains and Mm I always thought I was a mountain man and that's where I belonged. But then I started going out to the desert and realized that there was something really special there that I connected with possibly even more than the mountains. So I, I think that's really changed the way that I view things and it changed the way I approach everything. Yep. Uh, Because I, each new area that I visit is a unique opportunity to experience something new and and who knows, I might connect with that in a different way and love it even more than the desert, who knows. So I'm just very open-minded now about seeing new places. Like when I go to the ocean now, it's a very different experience than being in the desert, obviously. And I love doing like long exposure, black and white stuff on the ocean now. And it's one of my favorite things to do. So I've, I don't know, I guess I'm just not constrained to one specific area now. And I find joy in all the different places that I visit.
1: Yeah. For me, it's the opposite. Actually. (laughs) I grew up in the forest. I have really come to more deeply appreciate it as I read more books, and as I personally experience different aspects of it, as I learn more about it, and it's where my photography blossomed the most, more so out of necessity than anything else. We, in Pennsylvania here, we really don't have much else besides woods and waterfalls. So, I just went with it. (laughs) No. (laughs) The waterfalls start to get a little boring and samey after about two years three years of photographing them though in guess, particular yeah. areas <laughs> but it as I started to learn more about the natural world around me is when my photography really started to change and it started to focus on the more intimate details like I said prior yeah what's your most memorable experience out shooting so in end of july beginning of august of this year i went out with my dad to colorado and actually met up with david in person for the first time which was nice and i think the most memorable was my i would we stopped in uh, american basin and i just wanted to hike up a little bit not terribly much because my body was not at all acclimated to that area but it's I was hiking along and my dad was just hanging out at the parking area. And as I was setting up for a shot, he like turned, I turned around and he was turning the corner coming up to me. And it was just one of those things of like, I was proud of him for having pushed himself to hike. Cause he's not like huge into hiking or anything like what I am. And to have him essentially a side of me exploring the landscape around me while I was photographing it, was a really cool experience. That whole trip was a really cool experience. Nice. And I'm going to sound stupid
2: here, but I try to live in the present as much as possible. Each new experience to me is the most memorable. Yeah. Most recently, we just got back from a trip to winter on Yellowstone, and it was just an incredible experience the whole time. Every aspect about it except getting COVID, but it was just incredible conditions, just an amazing experience. And it just enjoyed every minute of it. So that's just kind of way that I try to approach life is just try to enjoy every new moment and not think about the past or the future too much and just be here now. Mm, Okay. What about any horror stories? Have you had any dramas yeah
1: out in the film Uh, i would say i'm sure david's got better ones than i have but (laughs) the only horror story that i have that i've had so far my girlfriend and i were hiking in uh, kate's cove loop in tennessee in great smokies and we were walking around the loop and we decided to take a break so i put my bag down right on against the fence Uh, not far from a creek. And we were walking around exploring what was around us. And all of a sudden, a mama bear and uh, her three cubs came walking down the road toward us. And my first priority was not my camera bag, which ended up getting taken by the bears, thrown into the creek. And my camera was busted up pretty bad. But luckily, it was still usable. But still, that's It's close to a horror story as I've got for mine. It was definitely something to watch as those bears just took the bag and I had no idea what was going on with it. I just knew that I wasn't going to be getting any close to it anytime soon. It was about a half hour of waiting in 95 degree heat, high humidity, and just hoping that they were eventually going to leave it alone. And it wouldn't be too bad because it was the first day of the trip. So, with you said the camera was still usable. I presume the, the cards were okay. Yeah. So since I'm using large format, it was just the, the ground glass that was shattered um, a bit yeah. on the back, but it was still held in place enough that I could use it for the rest of the trip, thankfully, because yeah. otherwise that would have made for a very poor photographic journey. <laughs> and I, I would say most of my horror
2: stories are related to RV life. <laughs> we travel in an RV, pretty much full time for the I've been doing it for almost 10 years now Mm -hmm. and had some really horrific experiences with that and it just happens all the time it never ends Uh, but overall the good things outweigh those annoyances (laughs) definitely had some bad clients and workshops but I'm not going to go into details with that (laughs) okay overall I can't complain too much no problems in
0: We talked a bit about the the spectrum of people in terms of planning and so forth quite a bit on the podcast. Are you a planner or are you more spontaneous and just responding to the landscape, as you said?
2: For me, I know I used to be a big planner, especially with night photography. You have to have everything pretty planned out. So there's still a little bit of me that does that, especially if I'm leading a workshop. I got to plan everything out and make sure that the clients have the absolute best experience they can. But when I'm out just photographing for myself now, I am not a planner at all. I just go out and whatever catches my eye, I'm very much in that contemplative photography mindset where I just am open to seeing what catches my attention. And then whatever that thing is, I photograph it. I rarely go out with pre-planned itineraries now i just it's more about being in nature and experiencing it and whatever i notice along the way that's what i'm going to photograph and i just it's such a more enjoyable experience that way and mm. so less disappointing <laughs> because when you're after that one epic shot it almost never comes together so it's, it's just a much more rewarding way of photographing yeah yeah
1: yeah, I'd say I'm the same way. Just whatever catches my eye, whatever pulls me in that direction, I go for it. And if, and there are plenty of times where I'm out in nature and nothing does, but I'm out in nature and I'm happy. Just David said, being out in nature more than doing anything out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been burned too many times when it comes to expectations of different scenes of how waterfalls are different subjects will look at a certain time of day and it got boring. It got tiring. So I just stopped expecting and just expect the unexpected.
0: Yeah. I think that's a, a great way to look at it. It's, I, I know some photographers get out there and they're spending hours combing over Google maps and looking at weather forecasts and all that sort of thing. But yeah, I, I think there's freewheeling at sometimes just, takes all that expectation, as you said, away, and
1: you end up just enjoying being out there regardless of what you get. Yeah. Those hours of coming over Google maps and looking at nature online is hours that I could be in nature and seeing what pops up and I'd much rather the latter. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. One of the things though, that
0: getting back into the studio after you've done your shoot are you straight into editing or do you want to leave it and let it marinate for a while before you get into, into
1: playing with the images? I take forever for editing. I take forever to develop film and to go through that process. I have about 10 sheets of film, 10 photographs, which doesn't sound like a lot to anybody else listening, but that are just sitting around waiting and I don't even know what they look like. I don't know if they turned out i am in no rush i'm terrible with updating my website with photographs and all that because i just i'd like i said i'd much rather be out in nature than no. be looking at a screen and anything else i would say <laughs>
2: when i started out i was on it i was downloading my photos right afterwards and i was processing them and posting them on flickr that night and then i went the other direction and i wouldn't process them for a long time. And I become, became overwhelmed because I'm constantly shooting new stuff. Yeah. So I <clears throat> ended up with this giant backlog, which I still haven't tackled. That's probably four years old, wow. but that I've processed hardly anything from that. So more recently in the past six months, I've started processing my photos pretty quickly after the trip recently. I did, I guess I haven't touched those. (laughs) So I (laughs) went to Death Valley last in December and I haven't touched those yet, but this Yellowstone trip, I almost have done already. So I think for me, I just, I have to do them pretty quickly or I just fall behind and then I, forget about it and I become overwhelmed so it's this really delicate balancing act because I would like to sit on them and let it marinate for a while mm. um but because of our lifestyle and we were traveling constantly and just always taking new photos it's really hard to keep up with that so, yeah. yeah for me I need to keep on top of it and I'm trying to do a better job of that
0: yeah. I've got more of a deliberate backlog where I've gone through and picked the eyes out the the, the ones that really speak to me, and mm-hmm. I usually I, I'm straight home and back the the cards up so that there's no loss, and, and I'm getting stuff up into the cloud and everything, so I'm not losing anything. But then I probably take a few days to go through, find what I'm what I'm interested in, and then start playing with the the, the top two or three out, out of a shoot but then i am i find myself constantly going back to the backlog of the stuff that i didn't really pay much attention to and it's interesting how many i've found there that i've gone ah i remember doing that and the reason why i did it and that, that's the hard part is remembering why i why i did what i did and then going back to it and going yeah well that, that's actually quite reasonable i'm pretty happy with that one <laughs> where do you see photography going and what do
2: you see as the biggest challenge facing photography right now i know a lot of people are concerned about AI and where that's headed but i really i don't see it as a huge issue because there's still room to be creative and voice or make your own personal expression through photography and ai is never going to be able to reproduce that Mm -hmm. the grand scenic stuff sure that's You can make some amazing stuff in AI that just looks phenomenal with that type of stuff. But I think that's going to be a quick fad that's going to fade away. And uh, I think the ones that are going to come out of this uh, in a better place are the ones that are more personally expressive. Personally, I'm not worried about it. I know it, it will change the landscape quite a bit. But I think if you're more focused on, creating something that's more personal to you that it's not going to be an
1: issue. So I'm not worried about it myself. Yeah, yeah. They had that same argument when photography came on the scene against painting and sure. all of the more traditional arts. I uh, just said that they had camps where photography was going to take over and no one would do traditional art anymore. And they had camps where photography was just a fad and would disappear and yeah. Now, what, 200 years later, we're still trying to figure out how everything goes together and people using different methods for personal expression. And I think that's the should always be the ultimate goal with any creative output is just being creating personally meaningful work. And whatever you use for that is fine. But so I don't think photography as it stands right now is going to go away. It'll change. It'll especially digital photography and post processing will definitely will definitely have a shift as we've currently seen with what has been implemented already in Photoshop and Lightroom and the such. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. That's just something that's we're gonna have to deal with eventually. And if we want to use it, we use it. If we don't, then we don't. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Where do you stand in the community side of things where people are using, I, I don't want to say heavily edited because that, you can still heavily edit stuff and still not add stuff to a, a an image, but where people are using a generative fill a lot or they've added birds to a, a scene or something like that or done a sky replacement. Where, I guess, do you sit in the, the community side of things where those sorts of images crop up? Because they're going to because
2: somebody wants to impress. I mean, those things are bound to come to life. And that's, again, not really concerned about them because they're largely easy to spot. And I think the people who really care about photography and being expressive with it, they're just going to ignore those things. And I think the people that, that really care about it are going to come together, you know, and those things are going to become very popular. But that's true with anything. If you look at, go back to music, pop music with auto tuning and everything, that's <clears throat> personally I don't find that to be art. So I think it's in the same vein that those things are not expressive means of art so i'm not sure where i'm going here but (laughs) that's fine (laughs) where do (laughs) do you stand
1: up i'm in line with david with that but it's like he was saying it's easy enough to spot and it's i'm everyone can do with their photographs what you want to do with them if you think that's going to get you more likes more attention then go for it but Like we've iterated time and again throughout this podcast, it's more a matter of finding that personal expression. Mm -hmm. My only issue with any of that sky replacement or adding stuff to a photograph that wasn't there, just be honest with it. Just say that you did X, Y, or Z. Don't give me, you don't have to give a reason for it. Just be honest that it was manipulated to that level. And that's yeah from there doesn't really matter yeah. i think and those popular mine, sorry
2: go sorry those popular type of photographs or music most of those things just fade away they're in the moment popular but they don't stand the test of time but if you create keep creating art that's meaningful to you that will stand the test of time and um, people will remember that and it's not just this glitzy thing that will only last a moment yeah i think it's really less important on social media
0: far more important where somebody's being dishonest in trying to do a, a journalistic piece where they're actually seeing, showing you something that didn't happen or showing you something with people in it that weren't there or whatever or with competitions say the when somebody's not being very transparent about their process we've already seen a few photography competitions where AI imagery has actually ended up winning where do you sit in terms of those competition
2: entries that are being less than honest I think it really depends on the competition and what the intentions are something like the natural landscape photography awards where they expect there to not be anything like that Mm. then of course that's not going to be allowed at all it's harder when they're a bit more open about accepting those things but i think if they're willing to accept things that are totally ai generated that those competitions are just going to again fade away because well they're going to lose um,
0: credibility in my in my mind yeah totally lose value in those have you ever hit a creative wall and if so what have you done about it to get yourself around it over it
2: under it all the time (laughs) it's just a it's that's part of the creative process going through that those phases of sometimes you're doing amazing stuff sometimes it you're just creating garbage constantly, but really all you can do is just keep doing the work. Just keep pushing through, keep photographing no matter how much it hurts at the time because you feel like you're just such a failure, just keep doing it. And there was a book I read, I think it's, oh God, what is it? I wanna say Stephen Pressfield. more of Art, yeah, yep. yeah. That's one of the tenets: is just do the work, just keep pushing through, and eventually you will get through it, and you'll start being creative again. Mm. But those times in between can be
1: really painful. And on the opposite side side of that spectrum, though, too, mm. it's also an individual thing. Sometimes, if you hit that wall and you keep trying to push through it, and you just can't get out of it on the other side, I don't, there's no shame in putting the camera down and, or Mm. putting down what you want to be doing and give it a rest for a bit. Mm. There are times where I need months until I pick up the camera again, till I feel creatively fulfilled, whether it's because I'm busy doing something else, or I just don't feel it and especially when you're photographing things that are so personally meaningful and you're relying on that inner feeling it can be very tough to continue to push yourself through a through that wall so it's a matter of when it comes to that figure out the process that works best for you if for david it's pushing through then it's pushing through but there's also no shame like i said of just giving it a rest for a bit and Maybe try painting or doing something else for a little while to help reignite that creative pursuit. Yeah,
2: even if it's something as simple as going out and trying to do rafting or surfing or something, just to
1: something to stimulate your mind in a different way. You could always try to. Just one thing that's worked for me in the past is write about the photographs that you've taken before. Just do 500 words, 1,000 words of the backstory behind a photograph, why you photographed it, why you chose the technical settings that you chose, whatever. Just write about that photograph, and you never know, it may spark your desire to get back out in the field and start working on new stuff again. Absolutely. Absolutely. What's your favorite thing about being a photographer? The excuse to be out in nature all the time. <laughs> or as often as possible I should say yeah same here
2: the <clears throat> that and traveling and experiencing new things is probably the most most important things for me yeah, fantastic
0: we're uh, coming near to the end of our time I've got a couple more questions for you first off and this is probably an unfair question for somebody running a community of photographers <laughs> are there any photographers that you think I should be talking to on the
2: podcast I don't have an extensive list of who you've had before,
1: so I'm not really sure. (laughs) That's okay. The one photographer, I don't know if you've spoken with him before. Paul Sanders. No, I Uh, haven't had Paul on. Yeah. I would definitely recommend talking to Paul and yeah, he's the first guy that I can think of right now. Brilliant. Okay. Thank you.
0: I've got one more,
1: one more question for
0: you. And, uh for many listeners it's the most important one that i ask and it's trying to get to the bottom of a a problem that the not just the photography community but the photography community is trying to
2: get to the bottom of for a long time do you like pineapple on pizza it's okay i'll have it i'll have it sometimes (laughs) jennifer really likes hawaiian pizza so i don't mind it but it wouldn't be my first choice
1: I don't remember the last time that I had it, but mainly because nobody else in my family likes it or eats it. But every time I've had it, I've liked it. Fantastic.
0: Thanks, gents. It's been wonderful getting to know you a little bit better and uh, finding out a little bit more about the uh, Nature Photographers Network. Where can people find that? And also individually, where can they
2: find your work? They can find everything at nature photographers dot network and my personal stuff you can find it either davidkingham.com or my workshops are and me and jennifer's workshops are at exploring
1: com. yeah and you can find my personal websites codyschultz.com and that's all that i've got <laughs> fair
0: enough <laughs> Thanks very much, gents. It's been wonderful. Oh,
2: well, thank
1: you, Grant. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Thanks again for listening to Landscape Photography World. I hope you enjoyed the show and keep listening because I'll be joined by some great guests in upcoming episodes. You can find my work in this podcast at GrantSpinburnphotography.com. I'm also on Twitter, YouTube, Vero, Instagram, Facebook, and Threads. I'm Grant Swinburne. Hope to see you out shooting soon.